This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Just ducky. ducky. Yeah. I have to say that because now it's officially spring. Uh-huh. And it's... um. You know, it's a good thing. So we have the ducks splashing around in the rain. Uh-huh. And, and that's the, birds the way it's are gonna, all out. Did yes. you notice they're and all I, over the place? The daffodils and everything are coming up. My tulips up. are popping, oh, which so I think wonderful. I said last week. So, yes. yay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're it. all good. Um, and I wanted to uh, let everybody know that I was at... Um, well, also that I've officially moved my offices. I am now in the palatial estate of <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, ERA gonna... One Real Estate in uh, it's technically South Abingdon Township but it's actually what we know as Chinchilla, Chinchilla. and um, I have a lovely um, suite of two offices at the end of the building with a private entrance it's 229 uh, Northern Boulevard and I'm just thrilled I'm thrilled. It's great. It's really wonderful. I, I got all my furniture and everything in there, and it's great. And it, it, it always helps when your landlord is your um, one of your guest experts and yeah. your friends. <laughs> yes. Right? It, it always help. makes it better. It huh? sure does. And, and her daughter. And, yes. Or as Patrick calls, Nisha and uh, Sanita, he calls them. Sanisha. <laughs> He combines the two. That's who they yeah. are. Yeah, oh, God, they I, love I it. think he had the same idea as um, what was it? The the Brangelina when yeah, Brad. Yeah. And, yeah. He mm-hmm. likes the idea of combining things like that, making it one. So, um, <sighs> Sanisha. Sanisha. <laughs> His wonderful landlord. I love her place. It's really nice. It's across the hall from me. And uh, we're, we're talking about doing some things together, which is great. We want to do some uh, educational things for women in a very small setting, a kind of a living room type atmosphere. In my book, I talk about something called money circles, which is what we'd like to do there. So at her place. Yes, in the second room or one of the many different conference rooms that are there. So we'll try to get it set up for that purpose sometime in the near future. And we'll let everybody know so that women who are interested in talking about money, but have been afraid up to this point to open their mouths, this is a perfect opportunity in a very um, intimate type living room setting. And I'll be the um, facilitator of all this, which is, I think, a good thing. Love it. So it all turned out really well. I'm getting all the paperwork done to make some transitions with my business side of things. And uh, and we'll get that done shortly. And that's it's all good. And I went last Friday, um, this is not yesterday, but a week ago, 
I went to the uh, Glen Oak Country Club for the annual uh, luncheon that was offered by the Waverly uh, Community House and uh, some other entities that supported it. I forget who. But it was in honor of Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. And every year they do a luncheon and they invite a lot of people, I think mostly on the Waverly Community House uh, mailing list and others. And the guest speaker this time was uh, Dr. Karen Murphy. Oh, I love her. I do, too. I mean, I, I, Karen is someone that I've known when she was the president or CEO. I forget what her title was when she was at Moses Taylor Hospital. And I was thinking about this the other night that she is one of two women I know in our region who started life, their, their professional careers as nurses and ended up as presidents and CEOs of hospital systems. Mm-hmm. It's really Isn't very she interesting. Is she Karen? I think she may yeah, have been. I, I, I don't know. I'm almost positive. I didn't ask. No, but I think anyway. she is. I think we've talked about it. And if she isn't, she's now honorary. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but I'm trying to remember. Uh, some people may not know her path um, in her career, which I think is quite astounding. Um, she, she went from uh, president of... Uh, Moses Taylor Hospital, and she left there when the merger occurred with the community health systems, and that merger was with what we used to know as Mercy Hospital, now the regional hospital. So from there, she went to a job with uh, the Medicare system, and she moved uh, with her husband to Baltimore, Maryland, and she said that she really, really enjoyed the five years that she was there with Medicare, um, and they had a wonderful time in Baltimore, loved it, loved it. And then they were, she was called back by um, a friend who suggested that she apply for one of the secretary positions with Governor Wolf. And right. she kind of said, yeah, why would he pick me? Well, he did. He did. Uh-huh. So she was the secretary of health for Pennsylvania yep. for years and then was offered a position as the executive vice president and chief innovation officer for Geisinger. And fortunately, um, she also has offices in in the Scranton area, one of the two hospitals, I forget which one I just mentioned, Uh, or no, CMC, must be at CMC. Uh, But she also goes back and forth to Danville, which is where the headquarters are. But she said something that I thought was fascinating that really explained a lot of how she made all those transitions in her life and and the, the risks that she took making these moves. And she said her mother told her a long time ago, whenever she confronts something that makes her afraid of something, you just do it. So whatever it is that made her afraid, she just said yes and did it and found that she was really quite capable of doing it or got herself capable into the job. Cool. And so that's what inspired her just to keep going and doing these things. She had no expectation that she'd ever be the Secretary of Health in Pennsylvania or involved at a senior level position with Medicare CMS program in, in Baltimore. But she took the risk and did it. And really, she also started by saying she was a teenage mother. She and her husband got married when she was in her teens and had her first child when she was, I think she said 19, 18 or 19. She said she has no regrets whatsoever. She loves See, what love she that. did. I love that, the difference there. Yeah, That's cool. and, and it was, then she got a chance to do all these other things. I know. You know and her daughter, and she's and young and still can appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. 
So well, it was very inspirational to listen to. I've heard Karen speak before in different situations, and I was busting her about the fact that she's going to be a speaker again. And I said, am I going to hear anything different? She said, I hope so. Oh, boy. <laughs> she did indeed. She When she talked about that um, advice she got from her mother, I just, for some reason, that really stuck with me, that whatever you're afraid to do, do it. Yeah, that's neat. <clears throat> well, that's great. And I also have to do a shout-out to a woman I saw there who I haven't seen in a long time. That's Eileen Christian. And I just wanted to say hi to her, and she listens to us on Saturday mornings. Good. So, hi, Eileen, if you're listening. And uh, it was really good. The food was great. The company was great. There were probably, I guess, 150 women there. It was really pretty great. Well, that's good to be honoring Women's History yes, Month. Because, you great. know, I'm going to honor that a little bit right Are now. You? Because what are you going to do? We, for the, uh, at the Lackawanna County Commission for Women, we do... Um, we do a bookmark contest for seventh grade children mm -hmm. in the Scranton School District. We send out the information and we ask you to pick a woman who is either someone in history, someone contemporary, whatever, that you want to write about and celebrate women and what they do. So this year's winners um, was a one young lady who did a uh, story. Uh, they have to do a f picture and a little essay on who they choose. Mm -hmm. And one of the first place winners was the woman wrote on Elizabeth Lynott, who was, um, um, she and her brothers, Ed and Bill, were the co-publishers of the Scranton Times um, many, many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And she wrote about her, the young woman's name is Victoria Pula, and she is a West Scranton Intermediate High School, uh, West Scranton Intermediate School, seventh grader, and her teacher is Mrs. Michelle Borthwick. The next woman was, uh, she picked Clara Peck Little, who was the first woman admitted to the Lackawanna Bar Association oh. way back, way, way, way back. And, and she was born in uh, 1876. Um, that uh, was submitted by North Pocono Middle School. Teacher was Mr. Bill Carmacci, who his dad is a West Sider. My, well, he graduated with me, his, his dad. And that was put in, by, uh, the winner of that was Samantha Lee McFadden. Second place winners went this year, second place winner went to uh, Isabella Gigliotti, and she is West Granton Intermediate School. Her teacher is Mr. Pete Akavazi, and she wrote about Laureen Cummings being the first commissioner in Lackawanna County. The second place, the se the tie for second place, because we did two of, for each, first, second, and third, went to a young lady at Mrs. Borthwick's class. Her name is Ella Found Felker, and she uh, wrote a story on Sarah Hofius Hall, who is a reporter at the Scranton Times. Sarah went over to speak to their class, to a um, bunch of students, and this woman was, this young lady thought this was, that Sarah was someone they should write about, and it was a great story, so we picked her. Third place, uh, one of the winners for third place was a young man by the name of Zachary Dealey, and he is a West Scranton Intermediate School, st school uh, student, and his teacher, again, uh, um, Pete Yakavazi, and he wrote on Sister Adrian Barrett. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, it looks like you're looking right at her, doesn't it? Yeah. So that was a good one. <laughs> and then third went to a young lady by the name of Emma Buckingham, another West Scranton Intermediate student, um, teacher, Mr. Pete Yakavazi, and she wrote about your good friend, Ida Castro. Oh. 
Oh, yeah. Isn't that neat? Yes. So those are the six winners That's this nice. year for every year we do it in honor of Women's History Month. Now, and do all uh, these winners, if they're alive, do they know this? Well, yeah, the ones, I try to tell all of them who, to show up if they can, if they're living or someone from their family. And um, so I'm the president of this the last year. This is my second year. And um, it's really neat because tonight at the commissioner's uh, boardroom, we, we will be honoring the kids. They get a gift card, a medal, a plaque. They get their photo with the commissioners. Scranton Times is doing a story. Um, it's just a lot of, it's a wonderful night to see these kids come and honor women. So yeah, we're thrilled for that. So congratulations to all those young ladies. And I have to give a big shout out, Lynn, to a gentleman by the name of Larry O'Hara. Larry is um, an old friend of mine. I haven't talked to him. He instant messaged me on Saturday, which I didn't get till today, to tell me that he and his daughter listened to us on some Saturday mornings. And he said, maybe I would love it if you could give us a, he didn't say shout out, but I'm paraphrasing. He said about the little girl you used to give, um, the little blonde girl you gave lollipops to at the the bank when I was at Third National Bank. But um his his little his daughter so he now of course i don't know how old she is god only knows but um he said we listen to you all the time he loves the show so I'll give a big shout out to larry o'hara and his daughter and um he, there larry was a, is the brother of benny o'hara who was a, a good buddy of mine um he's no longer with us but he was uh, a great guy so um anyway just want to say hi and thank you for listening to us and also my friend Kathy lang and listens all the time so big shout out yeah. to Kathy. okay as we do we try to tell everybody but larry thanks for reaching out to me buddy and hope all goes well and okay. what else lynn um that was all i had for well, this week i have week. to tell you one more thing what? i did a show you know my tv shows i do for the lackawanna county medical society yeah. so i did a show with um trauma surgeon dr brian frank at geisinger cmc and it what he was so smooth so good i loved him he he of course i go there there's no script i off the top of my head <laughs> i ask questions he went right along with me answered everything it was he he's just a, a great guy and it was a uh, sometimes you just get very impressed with these doctors and he he was to the point i pulled a west side on west side around him though i said so frank tell me his name his last name is frank not his first name oh. and i said listen i'm a west sider we call everybody by their last name that's how it goes <laughs> but anyway so shout out to dr brian frank uh, trauma one of the trauma surgeons at geisinger cmc good. and well, guess we'll take a quick break then. Yes, we And we'll will. be next up with our guest expert, Dr. Nicole DeNova from the Veterinary Referral and Emergency Center. We'll be right back. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now, back to Lori and Lynn. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And I am Lynn Evans. I'm the managing director of Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And our other, our second guest expert, our first guest expert, I guess, 
which order we're putting everybody in, um, is Dr. Nicole Denova, who is the owner and surgeon at the, I'm going to say it wrong, I do it all the time, Veterinary Referral and Emergency Center. Yay! I got it right. V-R-E-C. I always get screwed up. Anyway, um, welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, and obviously she's got a little bit of a cold. Yeah. So we'll just forgive her for that. Yeah. But, um... What do we want to talk about today with opioids? Um, I was just, you know, it's sort of current topics, and I was thinking about, we've talked a little bit in the past in regard to human medications and the interactions with animals. Um, But, you know, I was listening to the radio, and somebody was talking about the cost of the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. And I just think about, you know, the the differences and similarities between human medicine and veterinary medicine and the fact that we use basically all the same medications in animals as we do humans. Um, Fortunately, in this day and age, unlike, say, the 80s and 90s, we don't have issues so much anymore with people trying to steal drugs from us, thank goodness. Wow. Um, They used to do that? Oh, yes. So there was a drug on the market called ketamine that people used to steal from veterinarians, and then they would, I think, freeze-dry it and do things with it. Oh, my God. You know, that was, I think, back in an era when there were illicit drugs that people were, you know, making, and uh, now it's become more of a prescription medication kind of market for abuse yeah um i you know we're all accustomed in veterinary medicine and especially at our facility we're aware we've had a lot of service dogs that present to us that have toxicities because they get into their owners or their well it's that but it's also the drugs that are out being abused now are so incredibly dangerous so for example we you hear this drug called Narcan. Yes. Um, so that's something that we use as well. It's it's a, a drug that reverses or blocks the receptors for opioids, these mu receptors. And so we use them frequently on our patients as well. So if there's a dog that has an overdose or exposure to something, well, the drugs that are out in the market now are um, the illicit drugs that are being used and abused are now becoming so powerful that it takes two to three to four doses of this Narcan, the, the basically blocking agent. And we've actually had some police dogs present to us who have become exposed while on duty. Mm -hmm. And, Mm. you know, we've had to be alert, alert our, you know, doctors and nurses in our hospital, as well as the officers, the human officers working with their canine companions to say, hey, just be on the watch out. Um, It's just one of those things that, you know, it's not just a cost to us as humans. It's now kind of spreading even to a cost to the animals that we work with, that we live with, if they become, you know, exposed to these types of drugs. And the message that I always pass out there is if you come in and you, you know, say, look, there's something wrong with my dog. He's acting funny. Um, You'll find yourself at some point in a private exam room with a doctor and the doctor's going to ask you, do you have any idea what he's become exposed to? And we're not there. We're not to narcotics judge. agents. We're mm-hmm. not there to judge. We're trying to save a life or right. make a dog or cat feel better. So just be honest. Just tell us. And 99.9% of the time, they most do. parents know. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, people think, you know, somehow a dog getting into pot might be funny. It's not funny. No, it's I mean, not I can funny. show you so many videos of what it does. It doesn't do the same thing to dogs as it does to humans. And it's just sort of one of those, you know, again, it's the cost to, to our pets. 
How about cats? Do they get into that stuff as much, or is it more dogs? Nicole? It is more dogs. Um, cats do sometimes, um, but cats, believe it or not, you know, cats might be inquisitive. They might play around with a plastic bag filled with pills, and they might bat them around, but they tend not to be the ones that eat the things. Okay. Dogs do. They eat anything. Oh, they, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the things that they get into. And, um, you know, there's always, for, for everyone that's listening, there's always poison control. Um, and I could look up the phone number for everybody, but if you just, you know, do a quick research. And poison control is going to charge you a certain amount of money to um, sort of go through the list with you. But even if you were thinking about coming into a facility like ours, we, we always recommend if you don't call them before you get here, we're going to call them regardless. Even if we really know what we're doing, we always open a case log with control because this is you know staffed by toxicologists who know the the nuances of these drugs in a way that we might not and they're there to help so if something we do and we say you know we've never seen this reaction before is there something new and different about this drug or have they changed the formulations they'll know it um, and that's what they're there for. So, Do you think that now people tell you more that the drugs that they think the, the dog may have taken because they are legal, because they're prescription more than something that's illegal, Nicole? Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, too, this is sort of, uh, it's not, a, I'm not coming up with an opinion or judgment, but I do believe that we see more pharmaceuticals like... Um, you know, anti-anxiety drugs, mm -hmm. anti-psychotic drugs. There are some, um, you know, antidepressive drugs. There are some new and different drugs out in the market that we're dealing with now in a completely different way than I can say we might have 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, um, so. and you, you have those types of drugs that are available for animals too, right? Yep. Yes, I mean, so if you're talking about things like uh, dogs, anti-anxiety drugs, so we do have some of the same drugs. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, Alprazolam, which is also known as Xanax, we use that in animals all the time. It's a great anti-anxiety drug. Um, but then there's also some anti-anxiety drugs that are different for animals as compared to humans. Um, another this isn't really a controlled substance, but another example is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. We have very specific anti-inflammatories for animals because of their metabolism, as say, compared to humans. So there are, there are people out there who they want to do the right thing for their dog, so they think, oh, he's limping, I'll give him an ibuprofen. Ooh, exquisitely oh toxic, exquisitely toxic for dogs. Wow. Um, and so you're doing the right thing. You're trying to help out. And you I think, know. oh, let me just, and then you find out, unfortunately, you can kill your dog very quickly. So, um, and that's unfortunately another example. It may not be controlled, but, you know, we just had a puppy present yesterday who got into a giant bottle of ibuprofen. Oh, boy. So it's just, you know. A puppy? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. A little, like a did, small did breed or, mm -hmm. huh. Yeah. And, um, and what happened? <laughs> um, is doing fine. Got Good. there right Thank away. You. But, you know, that's, I mean, there's plenty of cases where they don't. So it's one of those things. If you ever, if you think you're going to give something you've never given before, you're not sure if you should, call and just ask. Kind Did of you see here. the front page of the Scranton Times today by any chance? I didn't. So, as we're taping, it's Thursday. Right on the top, it has a picture of, I guess, some kind of bulldog or a Frenchie or something. And it asks, your, what's your favorite? Which, of course, I knew because I think most people love them. I mean, they're, of course, yeah. my sister included. Labradors yeah. are the number one loved dogs. It's, I mean, it's probably the largest population I in the know. country. It's 
it's, it's but they that's also unbelievable to me. Yeah, but they about are lovable. The, the French, uh, the Frenchies bulldogs. are up there too, and yeah. they're making a major comeback. Uh, comeback so in this country. Yeah. Oh, yes. they are adorable. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. I, you know what I want to ask too, Nicole? I was flipping through Facebook yesterday, and I want your opinion on this. Do you think it's it helps or hurts your opinion when you see these abusive people posting? Not that they're posting it, but people post pictures of people abusing an animal. I can't watch it, so yeah. it turns me off. I get rid of it immediately. Mm-hmm. There was a woman doing something to a husky who was, and I don't, I, I don't think it does good. So, does it really? Well, my personal opinion is, and I'll, I'll give you a kind of personal experience. When I watch television, there's a pretty, I think everybody who's listening will know this commercial. There's a commercial from, I think it's the Humane Society. And it is so um, dramatic in the scenes and the way that they kind of pull at your heartstrings that they've actually overdone it that I turn the channel anytime the commercial comes on. I do too. So in my opinion, whoever is, and this now gets into sort of like a business aspect and an advertising aspect, whoever's directing them is not doing a very good job because the idea is not to have somebody turn the channel off when your advertisement comes on. Especially, Mm -hmm. yeah, trying to adapt. And I don't think, you know, I guess there are some really thick-skinned people. I do what I do for a living, and some people say to me, you know, many people say to me, how the heck do you do what you do for a living? Well, with that said, I do it because I know I'm helping, I'm a doctor, this is my, you know, what I'm passionate about. If you asked me to just come with you on a Saturday to a humane society to walk through and look at some cats and dogs, you'd leave me in the car because I can't do it. Neither can um, I. Well, even you, though I'm in the industry. You'd want to take them all, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. It's, it is. It's, yeah. I you can't save them all. Can choose. Right. Yeah. You can't save, oh. them, save them all. And so, you know, am I being a bit of an ostrich? Well, on a personal level, yeah, I am. Um, even though I'm in the industry and I see, I mean, I have three little dogs at home. They're all rescued from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um and I have two little cats at home that are also rescued. So, you know, and my whole staff, everybody has something that mm-hmm. they've, you know, saved or rescued. or um, So it is really difficult. And so those advertisements, I think, I don't know who puts, I've seen them too, especially on Facebook. Yeah. And I just get past it as quickly as so, I can because it's actually very disturbing. But somebody said a good thing. They said, what about the person who was filming it? Like, what were they doing? Uh, well, yeah. that's You know, point. like, why would you film it and not do something? I would have thrown the camera and gone after the woman with, that was doing the thing. I, so I don't get that. And don't forget, I, there's a lot of distrust. Regardless of this day and age, there was for me years ago when you watch something on Facebook. You don't know if it's true. It's, yeah, you know, know, why are you putting that out exactly. there? What's your actual motive? Mm-hmm. And stuff? Yeah, it drives me. I Just as soon as yeah. I saw it, I'm like, okay, yeah, too it much. Because it's, yeah, too much. it's sad. Right. So anything, um, we have one minute, so anything else that's going on up there you want us to know? Uh, not yet. We've got lots of things in the coming works, up, but yeah. I'm one of those, Spring as everybody knows, yeah, everybody knows I'm one of those people I don't want to announce eggs being until you're you know, there. put in the basket until they're there, so <laughs> until they've been laid so um, but you know everything at the hospital is good and in some ways we're kind of happy it's been a little more quiet while the weather's been sort of icky um, but just as the weather starts to turn people are going to be going outdoors so just be careful and we're there for you if we need to but some new nice postings on Facebook some rehab cases neuro cases that we've done that I think everybody Yay, will be nice to good. follow up on
Mm-hmm. So oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Those cute. Every time I go by, I always think with the paws, the the lid the, that are all that are light. I love I love that <laughs> that whole thing. It just makes you feel like here it is. It's right here for yeah, you. Yeah. We're not so going that's anywhere. A good thing. Exactly. Thank you. Well, we're going to take leave of you Nicole (laughs) so we will see you again thank you for everything absolutely and we will be right back with our next guest expert uh, uh, doctor uh, attorney (laughs) then we make them everything attorney Barbara J. O'Hara we'll be right back you're listening to Laurie and Lynn show it's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn now back to Laurie and Lynn Well, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And my name is Lynn Evans, and I am the managing director of Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, which is available on um, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and about 27 other places. 27. So, it was 30 last well, week. Well, those are three. Okay. I already gave Here them. we go. Okay, so we're here. Well, we're here with the lovely, as we said earlier, <laughs> attorney Barbara J. O'Hara. Barb has been practicing laws laws law for 36 seven ish 37 years God, she is think a, by now she'd get it right I know, how about it <laughs> she yeah by now she is the part she's a partner in hughes nichols and o'hara which is located on east drinker street in dunmore and barb is here and last week we month we talked about some stuff and we're going to continue from what i understand right barb yes and the topic the last time I was here was seven predicting factors for whether or not you're headed for a divorce. Uh-huh. So we had started talking about them. We stopped in the middle as we normally do uh-huh. because we, we end up chatting. Yes. So um, the the next factor in the we, mid, midstream was showing contempt for your partner. And mm. basically, I, I think that's a common sense kind of thing where, you know, if you talk badly about your spouse and unfortunately... From a cultural standpoint, I think that that some people do, uh, from the start, start talking bad about their, you know, because I guess it's not socially acceptable to say something nice about your spouse, even though certainly would help the longevity of your marriage to say something nice about your spouse. But you do hear people, you know, just kind of bad mouth the the spouse you know oh my ball and chain who in the world would want to be referred to as that Uh you know just that whole mentality so they what what do you think to me that seems like a i think it's easier i just think as a society it's easier for us to complain about things than to compliment than to compliment and you've talked about that so many times Mm -hmm. where you just and maybe it's something nice i say how wonderful my spouse is yeah yeah Yeah, i try you know what's funny too just yesterday, I, Meyer and I were sitting at the my kitchen table having a delicious meal. Kidding, he had matzo with peanut butter on it, mm. right? And I had peanut butter Coach and jelly. Uh, yeah, a co- <laughs> and I had peanut butter and jelly on rice cakes. That was uh-huh. our dinner. Oh, <laughs> wow. you sure do Wasn't go out of your great? way to cook for this we guy. We do, do, but anyway, so we, I, I, that's not one was, of the factors. No, but not maybe at it all. should be. But it was cute because it was, you know, and they they just look so good. And of course, I can't eat them. But um, so we were sitting there, and he was talking, and I was just kind of staring at him. And I go, "My, you're handsome." Yeah. And he's like, "What?" 
I said, you're handsome. And he goes, why are you saying that? I said, just because I thought it when I looked at you and you look good tonight and I just want you to know. And then I go, of course, you never tell me those things. (laughs) He goes, I knew you were going to say that. No, but the point, I'm kidding. But the point is that I believe all the time, not that that worked in my first marriage. I'm not saying it, it, that because everybody has that boom, boom, rock them, suck them, robot kind of way. Not everyone, but a lot of people. But I think when you think something nice, you should say it. And I think people, they just want to feel that. They want to mm-hmm. feel appreciated. They want to feel valuable and those kind of things. And guys, we we tend to forget to say that to them, I think. Mm-hmm. Mostly I think so women too. forget to say it to men more than the opposite, I think. I do. I don't know. I hear in my practice that okay, well, pretty, maybe pretty may, bad stuff, too. Well, bad stuff, of course, yeah. coming out of both people. But I'm just saying I think men women, men need to hear it more than almost I think women do. Because they, they I think they feel that they're well, doing so you much. You know what? If you're called a bad Appreciate name, it. Then the next time you see the person, you're not going to think. You're not going to forget that. No. Yeah, yeah no, he might have been drunk. But if you're called a bad name, then I'm sorry. You're not going to be... The affectionate person that he's looking for the next time well, he yeah, sees it's you. Well, yeah, continual. Right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it starts to chip away at no, the marriage. No, I don't right? think it's, it has to be continual. Oh, because I don't. I'll have people come come in and say, you know, he called me this or whatever. I'll see you that. And that kind of uh, what I find in my practice is is words do do hurt. Yeah, and, yeah. you know well, what? You can apologize, but you can't erase. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. I just, I, I mean, I've said some nasty things, so. About to Haven't people. we all? Yeah. Okay. The, the next factor is being overly affectionate as newlyweds. And I've seen this a number of times of people that were like all over each other. And then they came in for divorce. And, the and they're on each side of the couch, right? It, it was so odd because they were wildly affectionate. A lot of PDAs all the mm-hmm. time. And then all of a sudden, boom, I want nothing to do with you. So... I think wow. I've seen that a number of times and also gotten the family reaction of, boy, it seemed very odd that they were overly affectionate as newlyweds and continuing of like all over each other. And then, boom, don't want anything to do with you. So do you think that's just because they get sick of each other? What ends up happening there, do you think? I don't know. OK. All right. OK. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the next factor is withdrawing during conflict. And this you see an awful lot of you know the and it's oh, either one who do you see more do you think in your practice or is it equal actually uh, probably equal okay you know of the i don't want to fight probably more men that withdraw during conflict i guess you know where the i don't want to fight and therefore i'm going to say nothing well you don't get through it either but you don't stay you, think- you stay in, you stay in the conflict Unless you both decide, okay, we're just going to forget about it. But don't you think men think fight, I don't want to fight, is different than what the woman is actually doing? Absolutely. They're not fighting necessarily. It's passion. It's plea. It's whatever they're trying to get across. And they repeat it and repeat it because they don't feel they're being heard. And men view that as arguing or fighting. And it's not, I don't think, in all cases. It isn't. And I think women look at that as, let's talk talk this through. Mm -hmm. And... The, in my experience, the male perception is, oh, my gosh, she wants to continue fighting. Yeah. And that's not fighting from a female perspective. It's the, okay, fine, we have a conflict. We need to resolve this. Well, what does the average guy who wants to withdraw say? Oh, my gosh, here she goes talking about it again. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. can't we just that's... get past that and, you know, go back to business as usual, which... 
you know, it's... I think it's very much of a gender difference. Definitely. Women are from Mars, women are from <laughs> Venus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I really that think that's a big part of it. Uh, totally. <clears throat> that what we think we're doing in, in the, from the perspective of resolving something to men is just like picking at a scab. Right. You know, they just, they're done with and it. And things are fine as long as you're not talking about <clears throat> it. Right, yeah. Okay, we have a difference of opinion. And why do we need to talk about that? Yes. And I do understand that perspective, too. Me as a female, I'd want to talk things out. Yes. So I could feel like we've resolved that. But I well, know from you? 35 years of marriage, <laughs> yeah. that's not necessarily my spouse's opinion either. Can we just lay it out that marriage is one of the most difficult things oh, to it pull is. off? It, it is. is. I, I mean, know what, really, I, I think people, it's a tribute to people who get through it all because yeah. it's... It's unbelievable. I think right now people expect so much from marriage. They expect to be, you know, best friends and lovers and and the best parents. And we'll both work full time and then we'll do this and everything will be wonderful. I mean, years ago in in our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, they really didn't expect that kind of of, mm, they didn't. You know, they expected the commitment, but didn't expect the other party to fulfill every role, mm-hmm. which they right, do now. Right. And I think, I think, <clears throat> in my opinion and in my experience, you do see that. Oh, you know, they're not living up to the person I thought they would be. And don't you also think, too, Barbara? You've seen this that in that generation, especially th- once, and, and there could be religious overtones to it as well. Once people made a commitment and in front of the world, um, took their vows and had a wedding and the whole thing. Sometimes they will stay in marriages that are not good in the sense that we value them differently now than mm-hmm. we did then. Sure. So a good marriage is where you have friendship, you have all this other stuff. Yes, she's my best friend, whatever. There are a lot of people I know that had 50th wedding anniversary parties that um, were as far apart as you can imagine right but, but they, inertia they, kept them there yes or or that <laughs> commitment that said yes, you know that commitment here. of and uh, we don't ex- do we part. don't expect these Anything other things from right, the other right. person do you think that's the healthier way to be then absolutely not no okay no i don't all right because i think w- the biggest problem i see with that is that it it creates a sample of or an example is probably to better uh, of what, what marriage be. looks like yeah. and then it be- becomes replicated right. generations after and, you know, and I'll, I'll hear that. You from probably clients, see so that, don't you? I Barb? see that. And do you have like generational divorces? Yes. See, that's unbelievable yes. too. Yeah. See, that's uh, unfortunately, what I think. I've no. been practicing that long that yeah, I've generational divorces. Well, yeah, you're 37 years. I've that's... done their parents' divorces, yep. and now I'm doing their oh, divorces. God, that's and, sad. And I don't know how many more well, years I have to practice. I'll be doing <laughs> grandchildren be forever. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you should build yourself as a multi-generational person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. I okay. like it. Next time I'm going to announce it that way. Very so, funny. Yes. Okay, the the last factor in the, in this was... Um, oh, one second. Um, describing your relationship in a negative way. And I, I listened to this podcast that talked about these studies that they've done. And they asked people to describe their relationship and and what they, uh, you know, significant points, how did you meet, whatever. And they did studies on 
when you describe it in a very negative way of, oh, you know, we went to a dance and, oh, he wouldn't dance and he wouldn't do this with me, whatever. And sure enough, they followed those same people and the people who described their relationship and even just how they met in a negative way ended up in divorce. It was a really interesting study to see, to track these people through years of, well, what really happened? You mean like the people who say, how long have you been married? And they go, too long. Yes, I mean those kind of things. And they mean it, not the kidding around ones. <laughs> no, and they're not joking. Yeah, they no. really mean, yeah. you know, too long. And it is uh-uh. interesting when you talk to people as to their relationship of like how long they've been together and how they got married, you know, describe what was your first date like and what was your wedding like and a lot of times they'll have the same little story that they tell everyone but it's a real negative story mm-hmm. and that these researchers said really came out to show what this person really thought about their marriage and you know just how good it was because or they not. looked at their stories or not mm-hmm. i know they yeah. you know uh, oh, he did this wrong on our first date, or, you know, we went out and it was awful and didn't know I'd hear from him again, but I did. And you're thinking, wow, that doesn't sound very positive. No. <laughs> no. What are the what chances for that? Yeah. I, I don't, I think, I, I believe that just like anything else, um, the more, it's the power of suggestion. So the more you keep being negative and it's this, it's going to, you're going to believe it. True. True. I really and, do believe yeah. that. So that that makes perfect sense. Yeah. My father always said, like, when somebody asks you how you are, Say tell them good. you're great. Exactly. And, and he said, you'll you'll hear yourself, and sooner or later you believe it. Exactly. And it's kind <laughs> of like a fake truth. until you it make is. it. It is. Thing. Because it is if you true. start saying how miserable you are, you will stay start miserable all in day it. long. Yep. Exactly. And I, just a... a and, uh, a life observation. I love and it. the whole idea of, you know, how would you describe your relationship if your relationship is, is always described in negative terms? Well, you know, just how happy a partner are you? So. Well, Barb always comes with the good information. Believe it or not, we finished. Yeah, her, yeah. Her, we, we finished, finished. one of these. Huh? But well, Barb, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you if you need, if they need your help, yes. what to do. Please. I can be reached at 570-344-7171. My office is located in Dunmore at 1421 East Drinker Street. And I practice in Lackawanna, Luzerne, Susquehanna, Wayne, Wyoming. Yes. Yay. Yay. And happy Easter to everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Hope you and have a nice holiday. That's right. And, and uh, we are going to leave you. So thank you for listening. And again, as Barb just said, happy Easter, happy Passover. Oh, and happy Passover tomorrow. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we will uh, we will see you next time. So Great. in the meantime, please be nice. Or no, please be safe and please be nice. Right. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.